What's the most wrong with CSS? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of it. Are you struggling to deploy cloud-native applications to a hybrid cloud? Do you want to become familiar with Kubernetes and Istio? IBM Cloud has a set of free, hands-on training, ebooks, and an always-on free tier of services to help you learn. Visit ibm.biz slash stackoverflow to learn more. That's ibm.biz slash stackoverflow. Hello and good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast. I'm Ben Popper here with my lovely co-host. Hey, Sarah Hi, and ben. ben. Here we are. We're going to do this. Three humans mm-hmm. speaking into the Talking about code. Yeah. All right. So an interesting article came <laughs> yeah. up in our feeds. I thought we'd start there. Paul, we've talked about SPAs before. This is a two-part series. The one that came up, if not SPAs, what? And this is a follow-up to second, second Guessing the Modern Web. That's my favorite 10,000 Maniac song. Sorry, <laughs> it's a little, little, little inside <laughs> joke. Um, all right. Single-page applications. So let me give a 30-second history lesson. It used to be you wanted to make something on the web, you would make a bunch of HTML pages. And then you'd put them on a server, and people could reach them, and they could connect the pages through links. Then people started automating the back end so you could make more and more pages out of databases instead of having to make each page in like a text editor. Then mm-hmm. people started to add JavaScript and make the pages do things. That got really exciting. Maybe we would have animated documents, but instead they realized we can make actual whole applications like Word or Google Docs. Right. And that's why. Yeah. So they're single page applications and now they own everything. Now they are the internet. Right. So Tom McWright on McWright.com has asked, you know, if not SPAs, what? And and sort of like what, you know, there are limits to this approach and what are some of the other ways? And you know what I'd say? I want to get your opinion, Sarah. You can build a full-fledged application on the web. And if you want to go really deep and use all sorts of underlying technologies, you can start to approach native speed. Browsers are amazing. They're operating systems now. So there's immense power in there. But you don't need all that power, and that power includes a lot of complexity. Like React is complex compared to making an HTML page. The argument in this article is there are other ways to do this to still do some really interesting app-style thinking, and you don't have to use a full SPA framework. You can use things like Turbolinks and Alpine and HTMLX, and what they do is they enhance existing pages with interactive functions that might even talk mm. back to a, a server. What, where do your, where does your brain go as we're talking about SPAs? Yeah, I think that one thing that really needs to come into the conversation when we're talking about SPAs is who are we building for and what is mm-hmm. it? Like every restaurant needs an SPA. That's it. Just like every restaurant, every family reunion, every <laughs> website that is never going to have more than 10 people on it at the same time. And you know yeah. that. And also, I think even though it's like adding a framework is sometimes a little bit overkill. And then when it comes to applications that need to scale, that's when you start thinking about stepping away from an SPA or building something a little bit more complex. But I think that there was a time where everyone was doing the SPA, and I think that it makes it difficult when you're scaling to kind of split up 
those responsibilities among a larger team. So we're talking about React, Vue, Angular, apps for for most cases, right? And then, yeah. yeah, there's a lot because they get big. You have to do things like code splitting so that they can load more quickly and so on. So the, in this article, the focus is more like, you know, do you need all that? Couldn't you just dress up your HTML and and you know go to the ball and have a fun time? As opposed to, <laughs> and your your approach is you're thinking more like, man, as these things get big, it gets to be a real pain, and suddenly you're trying to jam. The equivalent of like a, you know, install Microsoft Office and it's 12 gigs into one web page. And that's yeah. not cool. Settle down, everybody. Yeah, I, I think there's some of that here in the article. I mean, it was saying like, this guy has worked on Mapbox Studio and Observable and he thought React was a great choice. The other side of the sweet spot was the high performance parts aren't React for Mapbox GL and Observable Runtime vanilla JavaScript, you know, this level of abstraction for React is just too high. The cost of using it, payload, parse time, so on, is too much for it to be included as part of an SDK. So I think, Sarah, what you're getting to, like, hey, for a family reunion, for a a restaurant, like, this is great. It's simple and makes it more interactive and functional in that way. As you get bigger, the optimization gets messy, right? Yeah, but the thing, though, about React and Vue and some of those other models is the way they use components does make it easier. I guess you can kind of call that the micro front-end pattern. Paul, I know you've played with these. What uh, I actually haven't worked on a larger scale React or Angular app. So they've always been either hack projects or things mm-hmm. like that. Have you seen um, these things scale well with teams? Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like anything. If, if everybody works together well and you you clearly separate concerns, everything's a kludge, right? But state management is really hard. Uh, it's gotten easier, I think, with hooks in the newest React, but everybody has their own approach to it. Code splitting is a challenge. Load time is a challenge as you get into larger and larger platforms. So it's all the regular stuff. I think it's, you know, this would be stuff that a desktop programmer, someone, when you boot up Xcode or you're using Microsoft's developer tools, like you're not thinking about that part. You're thinking about other parts. You know, you don't get distribution for free via the web with absolutely no clicking, but you definitely aren't thinking like, how am I going to make it's possible for my app to load without annoying people, right? Like that's kind of built into <laughs> desktop programming, and it's uh, not built. In. I mean, you're, you yeah. know, we, we're we're bootstrapping something that was supposed to share a couple some physics papers into an application delivery framework where there are billions of clients, some of which are on really kind of clunky phones on slow mobile connections, right? And so you're you're right, right. you're solving that problem with app delivery and that's hard. So I'll give you an example. Like you have a if you're working on something for the Indian market, let's say, and you're trying to get reach millions and millions of people. Uh, we did this with an education platform. Your entire approach to development changes because people are going to be on Android and it's going to load slowly you have less control over the network and the environment. So you're going to think about application delivery in a very sort of piecemeal way, and you're going to want to try to optimize a lot of different right. things. And then on the other side, if you're you know building a, essentially like a first-world app for adminning things where they're going to be working out of a control center and, and, you know, you know that people, if it takes 10 seconds to load, it's going to be on a desktop, you can really think about that problem in a different way. I had some experience doing some reporting about this, Paul, and some of the interesting things that came up talking about the Indian market, which is huge. People would love to you know, have customers there and bring their services there. 
not only do you have to think about lower broadband speeds generally, but that people often are on like pretty tight data plans. That's right. Can you get everything down to a really small package? And then also that often there are like times of day when they can use the internet and times of day when they can't. So can you make it easier for them to download stuff and then, you know, it runs later as opposed to streaming it live. Those are things that they consider when building for there that, yeah, we don't think about in our first world American software experience. It's And it's hard. Like like we had a a client who was living in that market. And so they were able to really walk through all of those things with us. But it is, uh, yeah, it's a tremendous amount you don't know, which I mean, you know, we had Sophie Schmidt on to talk about Rest of World. That's a website entirely about what we don't know about those markets when it comes to technology. And it's, it's when you go and look at it and you read it, it's a lot of news. You're like, oh, this was worth a website. I mean, it's not new anymore, but like I think five years ago, people were always astounded by WhatsApp and these rise of Asian apps, especially in China, where it was a chat app, but then it became an entire OS and they just kept cramming more and more. You like you could play games, you could read news, you could chat, you could do whatever, but it was all in this one tiny, you know, phone app. And and that market gobbled it up. They loved it. Like as US apps were unbundling and taking things apart, making everything simpler. Asian apps are going in the totally opposite direction. Like the app is your OS. Don't forget that Apple has a limit on app size. So giant mega apps like Facebook, like Facebook is a big app. Before that app can go out to the world, they have to take things out because there's Mm. always more that they'd like to put in. And I mean, you know, like sticker packs (laughs) or whatever, right? Like, And so here's what I think. I think that software delivery in app form is overvalued, but it lines really well with, essentially capitalism with like getting people to buy goods and services. You give them the app, they give you the money, right? So you're saying specifically like uh, mobile apps. Mobile apps or or desktop apps or whatever. And I think we're kind of, we're still fighting that battle. Like how do I make the web behave like that? And yeah, I think that if you really, what is the web truly great at? It's stuff like those notebooks, you know, or if you go to Observable, Observable HQ, and, and, and you kind of, poke around there. It's about sort of being able to have as many documents as you want and as many pictures and now as much video, but also it's all in this kind of dynamic environment. You could be manipulating it and playing with it. And so to me, I always think, you know, if you're going to tell me about the economy, can you give me a slider? If you're going to um, show me a picture, can you let me kind of remix it or play with it in some way? And so I feel that notebooks are actually probably the more web appropriate application delivery platform. Wow, that's a take. It's a take, right? Like, because that is, and it is, like, but they're less revenue friendly, right? There's no, yeah. no one has a business model around notebooks, whereas they definitely have a business model around Twitter. Right? Like, it's not what what I'd love to see is like a pipeline where instead of like giant IDE leading to impenetrable app, you had notebook environment where you could kind of wrap the notebook up progressively into a more and more app-like experience, right? And so... I think what you're doing is just fixing HTML and CSS. Remember, the web was going to be read-write. That was always the goal in the beginning, and they couldn't figure it out. It was too hard for version zero, and it never quite could get there. So notebooks really strike me as a read-write web, right? Like I'm going to have basically full access to the full server if I if I need it, as well as the ability to mip- manipulate and show things in the front end. And it gets really tricky because where's my state? It's my state in JavaScript on the front end. It's my state on the back end. Uh, it's the great, yeah. great wrestling match of a client-server-based, you know, anything. This is the parallel history of computing that the, the funny thing about our industry is we always assume 
either or. Like it's either got to be all app based or whatever. But Mathematica over on Planet Stephen Wolfram has been publishing applications in this way in an academic environment mostly for essentially decades as Mathematica notebooks, right? And everybody loves them. Yeah, it, it works really well in that use case. But what about the use case where it's like really UI heavy? Well, then you're going to do an app. Then you're going to do an app. Absolutely. Yeah, but yeah, you yeah. might prototype and play around and share ideas for the app inside of the notebook, right? Like it'd be a great way to communicate yeah. your different widgets inside of a product team. You know, at a certain point does like React Storybook, which lets you browse through components and it gives you the code in order to quickly build your own apps, right? Like how far away is that from the notebook model if it had live data in it and you could manipulate the widgets directly? Like, I mean, I think we're starting to play with that space where you're going to drag and drop widgets into live environments and then mess around with them, which is very, you know, kind of 1980s Xerox Park style computing. Yeah, like the Yahoo News feed. Wait, what's that? Tell me about that. Like when everyone's homepage was Yahoo, you had all your little widgets. That's right. You could figure you can make and drag your, and drop. Make your yeah. own hub. That's where we're going. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. yeah. I always had the Mets scores. Uh, are you Mets fan? We didn't know that, Sarah. That never came up. Yeah. Oh, I come from a long line. All right, that's right. good. You have Mets fans. That's good. Yeah. As you were designing your own personal little GeoCity, it had widgets for weather, <laughs> sports, <laughs> stock ticker. <laughs> Well, that was always a fantasy, right? Uh Like people would want to make their own feeds and environments. Look, the things I'm describing are for people who are developers or developer adjacent. You know, that is a a tiny percentage of a percentage. And then the rest of human beings are going to like want to participate by reading and making decisions about their own life and or by watching. Right. Maybe the reason this guy wrote this article is because he's worked on Observable. And so maybe he's coming from that place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that that, I didn't know that. I didn't process that. That's totally, if you're thinking about notebooks, because what you realize is you can kind of log into your terminal and have the full, all the state and all the environments that you were playing around with yesterday are just kind of back up rather than this sort of compile test experience loop. And that, that does feel really fun. that time of the show y'all we're gonna shout out a lifeboater this one goes to glortho how to add http to a url if no protocol is defined in javascript so thank you very much that question was asked six years ago just got an answer wow good to see appreciate that oh that's good everything's everything that seems like a regex yeah yeah frankly all questions are regex questions as i learned (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from my time in, in Pearl. If you can make the memorization happen, you can make it Oof. work with regex. All right, y'all. I'm Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Uh, and I'm Sarah Chips, Director of Community here at Stack Overflow. This is Paul Ford, friend of Stack Overflow. Check out my company, Postlight. Love you, love your show. Love you, love your show.